couple years ago, I was in Tokyo for testing. They wanted to see why I could use my feet the way I could. And they found out that the little part of your brain that runs your foot coordination on the average person is the size of a pea. And mine's like the size of a baseball. My brain, it's like, well, you don't have hands, so let's just use that part of your brain that would store your, how to use your hands for stuff. Let's just make that into your feet. It's amazing how your body grows with, you know, like if it needs your feet, it takes over that part of the brain and makes it, anyway, to store the information. But Hi, I'm Chris Whiteout. Welcome to Living It, the podcast where we join experts in the experience of being human. Be bold. Say yes to adventure. Say yes to living it. Welcome to Chris Waddell Living It, the podcast where I talk with experts in the experience of being human. You guys are in for a huge treat today with Matt Stutzman. Matt is a silver medalist in the Paralympics. He holds a world record for the longest accurate shot with a bow and arrow. Can I call it a bow and arrow? The longest archery shot. 310 yards. We're going to have to get into that because I don't even think you can see that. That's almost three football fields. He is a race car driver. He just recently uh, qualified for the 2021 Paralympics in Tokyo while breaking another world record. So Matt, you, you are on a high. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you very much for having me. And yes, I feel amazing about it. This is really cool. So, so looking at what you did at trials, can you tell us a little bit of what that means? So you shot like a 700 and, and is that 700 out of 720? Is it 700 out of 700? Uh, Cause archery, a lot of people know archery from like summer camp. They don't know what you do. How did this all work? Yeah. So we're shooting at a target that's 50 meters away. So it's about 55 yards away. The bullseye, I would say, is smaller than a CD that you would stick in a in your radio. Like it's pretty small and at that distance, right? So in the in the archery world, 700, uh, for example, let's say the middle's the bullseye is 10, and then it goes, the scoring rings are nine, eight, so forth. A 700 is like you're the man and that's out of 720 right hold so on, hold on. Record, you're the our man world re- <laughs> our world records uh like 705 right and, and so like no one has ever shot over 705 points so even in like normal archery tournaments if you shoot a 700 like you are like the very next day they did uh uh, able-bodied SoCal showdown and the guy who qualified first shot like a 705 or whatever and that's able-bodied too so like if you're shooting 700s you you got to figure it out so you broke the Paralympic record where but but you said that the the the, the highest score ever was 705 and that's able-bodied or disabled no that's the pair the pair record is 705 yeah Okay, but what did you break? So uh, I broke the double 72 uh, score. So uh, on day one, we shot 72 arrows. And on day two, we shot 72 arrows. And they called that like an event. And they paired them together. Um, And no, I shot a, so a bit a 1,398. So almost a 1,400. Yeah, which is, 
which is back in fact i was aiming for the 1400 because if you get the 1400 you i mean that's basically like perfect scoring in in archery world kind of so you were you were ready like you you are hot you're on top of your game right now yeah you know actually believe it or not um having the year uh with everything that went on with covid and stuff helped me re do everything that I thought out, you know, like with the archery process and my mental game, it, you know, it was like a, a blessing to have this whole year for extra training and resetting my brain and, and making sure I was, you know, hundred percent ready. So we've got to go through a couple of other things just because one, I think you've got to describe to people how you actually shoot. Cause I introduced you as the armless archer. And, and if people are listening to this, they probably don't have an idea of how, of how this is working unless they've gone to YouTube and they've checked you out. So how do, how do you go about shooting? <laughs> Real quick. Uh, a lot of people are like, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm an archer. And then like one lady, she was like, and I'm a wrestler. Like nobody believes, nobody <laughs> believes in me when I say I'm an archer. So I, I usually have to explain how I shoot a lot. <clears throat> so before I tell you how I do that, everything on my bow that I shoot is not modified whatsoever. So I have learned to figure out how to shoot a bow that is made for everyone, right? Like it's not a specific bow or anything like that. So what I do is I, I balance the bow, uh, it sits on the ground between my legs. I use my right foot to grab the arrows off the ground. I load the bow with it. And you have amazing dexterity in your feet. I mean, this is this is mind-blowing, really, because, because you you use your feet as well as somebody uses their hands. Like I saw you in your race car and you're you're like adjusting knobs uh -huh. with your feet. And in my mind, I went, oh, so hold on, where where did he get hands? You know, but, <laughs> but you don't. So so you have the dexterity to grab the 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 arrow yeah yeah a couple years ago i was in tokyo for testing they wanted to see why i could use my feet the way i could and they found out that the little the little part of your brain that runs your foot coordination on the average person's the size of a pea and mine's like the size of a baseball my my brain it's like well you don't have hands so let's just use that part of your brain that would store your how to use your hands for stuff let's just make that into your feet stuff so my you know it's amazing how your body grows with, you know, like if it needs your feet, it takes over that part of the brain and makes it anyway, to store the information. But no, this is awesome. I love it. Okay. So you're sitting on the ground. You've got the, got the bow between your legs. You're, you grab the arrow with your foot. And then what happens there? This, this is where yoga practice comes in. So at this point I will grab my bow with my right foot and I will, what I call gentlemen, uh, cross my legs, right? Like, a, and like a, triangle which brings my right foot up closer to my chest mm -hmm. at this point i bend down and this is this is a, a little modification i have but it's not with the bow but it's a strap that i wear around my chest and on my right shoulder there's a little uh, release aid device that i've designed and i will actually hook it onto the bow then i sit up and i push my chest or my my foot away from my chest which draws the bow and once I'm at full draw aiming, then I, um, the release hit on my right shoulder has a trigger on my chin. And then I put that right there and I slowly start 
applying pressure until the shot goes, hopefully shooting a 10 every time. <laughs> what makes someone a good archer? Like, I mean, is, is this the vision to be able to, to get the bullseye? Is it being steady? What goes into being, to being a good archer? Uh, I think it's, I think it's mental to be honest with you, the mental toughness, because I can teach anybody how to shoot a bow. I can teach you how to shoot a bow, even though I have no arms. I can still teach you how to shoot a bow where you would hit a target at 20 yards within an hour. But getting the mindset of someone who's actually going to hit a bullseye at 50 meters away every time, that's all mental. My mental game, this trials was better than it's ever been in any of my shoots ever in the last 10 years. Why is that? Because I, I don't know, like, I found out what it takes to win. Um, every shot counts and you have to make every shot perfect. You don't get a redo. And for something, for some reason during this quarantine moment, I, when I was in practice, something just clicked in my brain. And it, and it just said, look, if it's not right, don't shoot it. And I shot, you know, 300, almost 400 arrows for score. And every single one of them I made when I was ready and knew it was right. And I, and that's a mental thing that just all of a sudden started clicking with me for some reason. I noticed that my opponents kept watching my scores. And I, and I told Jessica, I said, because she was with me, and I told her, it's like, they're not, they're not going to beat me now. They were so worried about what I was doing that they weren't worrying about focusing on themselves. And I only focused on what I was doing. Mental. It's all mental. That tunnel vision is really hard, though, isn't it? Just to, to say this is and, and obviously you're talking about you were practicing the tunnel vision. So each mm -hmm. time, each time you get up there, if it didn't feel right, you backed away because mm -hmm. the practice, the muscle memory the mental memory of mm -hmm. seeing of seeing that hit the bullseye was what you needed to have needed to practice as much as anything. Yeah. I think that people don't understand just how just how emotionally and mentally taxing archery <laughs> is, right? So it's not just like a bunch of you hanging out on a line just shooting shooting at your target, right? I mean, this is this is head to head, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Like, for example, on the last day, we shot 72 arrows for score in the morning. Then we took a two-hour break. Then we shot another 100 and whatever arrows against each other all afternoon. And you have, like, I was tired. I, I went back to the hotel. I was like, I'm done. Like, my, <laughs> it's a lot of work mentally, for sure. No. Is it, because it's, I mean, there's some events, right, where it's your opponent shoots one arrow. Mm -hmm. then you shoot one arrow, mm -hmm. then they shoot one arrow. And so it's like, you're not really, it's like you're having to establish your rhythm every, every time. You don't just sit mm -hmm. there and go, okay, I shoot one, then okay, now I'm mm -hmm. feeling it. It's like, it breaks your rhythm, right? And, and emotionally, you're looking at him going, okay, he just shot this. It, what does that do to you when you're head to head with somebody? It, well, <laughs> It wears you out <laughs> really fast. So you are absolutely correct. Um, at the games, they will alternate back and forth, right? And not only will they alternate back and forth, 
for as much as you don't want to know what your opponent is shooting, the announcer will let you know. <laughs> so, so, so like, here's a great example, right? So it, just to tell you how you have to be mental, because I've seen this happen so many times. Let's say I need a, a t if I, sh my opponent's already shot and I have one arrow left. If I hit a 10, I win. He goes home. If I hit a nine, we tie. We have to shoot a one arrow shoot off. If I shoot an eight, I go home. And you'll hear the announcer say that because he's trying to describe to the audience the drama that's about to unfold. So now almost every archer I've seen has done this before, including myself. As soon as you hear that, your brain starts freaking out. Don't shoot an eight. Don't shoot an eight. You're going to go home if you shoot an eight. Don't shoot an eight. And almost every single time you will shoot an eight. <laughs> so you have to have that mental toughness to be like, I'm going to shoot a 10. I'm going to send this guy home. Like almost like, like watch this dudes. Like, bye. See you later, man. Nice knowing you. I'm going to shoot this 10. Like you have to have that kind of confidence. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise you're shooting eights and you're the one going home. Are you practicing this? Are you sitting there at your range going, okay, this is it. A 10 to win, nine mm -hmm. to tie, eight to go home. And, mm -hmm. and, and are you going, okay, this is it. Like, let's focus. Mm -hmm. And how has that worked? I spent more time in this last year practicing that than I did even process or anything else. Cause I already have that figured out. So, um, I shoot with Jessica a lot and, and she, and who is Jessica? Uh, she's my girlfriend. Okay. Um, we've been dating probably two, maybe two years or more, but she's into archery as well. And so we shoot together. She's at the beginner stages of archery. She just is now getting to 50 meters. But I'll just be like, you know, I'll, I'll give her a handicap score or something like that, right? So the other day she was shooting and she shot a 10. And she's like, you know, which is amazing, right? So I immediately in my brain went, okay, on my next shot, I'm going to pretend like that's our one arrow shoot off. And I shot against that one shot. And she beat me. I still shot a 10, but her 10 was closer. But she, did ha she had no idea that I was competing against her, right? but that's just ways I would use to mentally train myself because I know in Tokyo, it's going to be like that. So this wasn't for who had to do the dishes or those kinds of things. <laughs> no, I should have, I should have, I should have put a little pressure on her, but, uh, it, <laughs> no, um, it, it's interesting. I read an article last year about, about chess players and this totally blew me away because it was talking about the amount of calories that chess players burned. It was like, it was like 10,000 calories. A, yeah, I mean, it was something, it was something absolutely incomprehensibly insane because you're thinking, well, they're just sitting there. They're just sitting there. I mean, it's not like that hard to move mm -hmm. a piece or whatever, but it was the mental energy, the grinding over, each the, the significance of each move and and all of these things and it sounds like in a lot of ways that's that's where you are as an archer too i mean you've got the physical component of it mm -hmm. but but do you think that's fair that that it's the mental that, that it's the mental fatigue more than anything plus this is an all-day event right yeah no i look i think mental is the most valuable part of going to the games and not going to the games. 
um, every shot, you have to make a decision based on the wind, right? So you have to have that mental toughness over and over and over and over again. Um, I feel it's very much like chess. You're, you're playing a game and it's, and it's all in your head. It's all your brain telling you where you think you should aim and how you're judging things. And if you made a good shot and if you executed well, so for me, I actually talk to myself while I'm shooting now because I have a process. So as I'm drawing the bow in my head, I'm like, okay, foot's in the right position. All right, set my shoulder, bring my face down, apply pressure on the bar. Okay, hold my breath. And okay, aim in the middle. Now apply pressure, apply pressure, slowly, slowly. Like I have to do that. And if you miss a step, like <laughs> I'm, I'm clearly like doing really, really well. And I'm, I'm starting to go to full draw. And my mind was like, I wonder what I'm gonna eat for supper. And that arrow, I shot a nine. And I'm like, oh, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> Is there actually yoga in your life? I mean, you're talking about the yoga of, of pulling, your, pulling your leg up, which, I mean, to watch you drive, to watch you shoot, you've got some crazy flexibility in your leg. I mean, it's, you use it, so you probably don't even notice it, but yoga there's there's the flexibility part of it but then there's also the the mental focus meditation component of it do you actually do yoga i i don't do yoga i i say i do yoga uh, as a joke um but every day is yoga for me because uh if i just want to eat i gotta use my foot to bring food to my face so i'm flexible like i i you know brushing my teeth or what you know anything is always with my legs up and and around and stuff like that um, so I call that my daily yoga. Are they both equally flexible? So you use your right leg most of the time. Is your left leg as flexible as your right leg? Not as flexible, but it's still it's still pretty good. I I can put my right leg behind my head still, <laughs> which is my left leg not not so much. But it is interesting because uh, I can write my name in cursive with both feet. Yeah. That so. is awesome. Well, you kind of have to, right? I mean, you don't have much of a choice. It's either your feet or your or your mouth. Those are your right. Yeah. right, right? <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> so you've qualified for the games. What are the next steps? Because it's what, uh, August 25th, I think, is the opening ceremonies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I don't have nothing going on until like August 9th. Um, we will go to California and we will kind of go into quarantine, um, at the Olympic training center there in Chula Vista. I don't even know if they call it's the elite training center now, I think. Right. Um, but I will stay there from the ninth until we go to the games there and I'll be able to practice as much as I can get it out of my heart and soul. So how do you stay sharp? I mean, obviously you're sharp right now. Yeah, so what I feel works best for me, uh, some people don't agree with, but it, it works. So because it's such a mental taxing of the brain, I won't shoot for the next probably three weeks. Really? Yeah. Are you I know that rusty? sounds, I know that, I know, well, you would think so, but no. Um, I remember this is a, this is when I learned this about myself. I remember shooting the one of the largest tournaments in the world payout wise, the Vegas, the Vegas shoot. If you shoot a 900, 
uh, you can like the payouts are insane, like 120 grand. A 900 is a perfect score. Well, I keep shooting 899s, right? So like I'm like right there, but why can't I? Why can't I just get that hurdle, right? So I was like, okay, I'm I'm I was so frustrated that I just I didn't shoot for like a month. Went to my next tournament and shot clean. Shot clean means that you had tens on every I didn't shot. Miss, I didn't I didn't miss any points. Yeah, I was the I was the first person with a physical disability to shoot a perfect score. First person ever. In fact, I and this was an able body competition, and I was one of seven in the whole world to do it. Wow. There was only there was only six. There was, sorry, I was the seventh. So there was only six people at that tournament. And these are the best in the world. There's only six other people that did it. And that's why I was like, okay, my brain just needs a reset sometimes. I think it, I think it's good. It's good to just be like, okay, I, I know everything. I've shot it so much that it's fine. And if I know my next tournament isn't for until like two months from now, I can afford to take off a month and just let my brain just not think about yellow and, and dots and wind and because a couple years ago for the Rio games, I spent the whole entire year shooting every single day. And when I got there, like I was, I was drained when I got there, you know, like I put in the time because I wanted to outwork everyone. And, and then the results weren't that good. Right. I just was too much pressure on myself too much. I just drained myself. So that's when I learned about, Hey, it's okay to take a month and just let your brain like going to la la land for a little bit because of how taxing it is wow now that so you are so you're not thinking about it at all i mean you're not thinking about it at all i'm still doing exercises yeah well i'm still doing exercises physically right like i'm still i'm still doing that stuff but if i were to shoot a bow i literally would be at a target that's like five feet away with no target on it whatsoever so it literally doesn't matter and and that's and that's what works for you. That's what works for me. It's yeah. an interesting question too, isn't it? Because sometimes <clears throat> it's almost like our our sense of insecurity. We need to feel like we're working as hard as we can possibly work, which oftentimes mm-hmm. when we're doing that, we're working against mm-hmm. ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that whole idea of like like looking at like the the uh, the sprinters in in the 100 meters in the olympics and and when they slow it down like their face is so loose that it's like bouncing up and down <laughs> yeah and and the thing is like oftentimes we're thinking oh you gotta you know like grimace and you've gotta like tighten every single muscle and and you know squeeze every drop of energy out of it in order but this is what works for you to be able to say i have the muscle memory mm-hmm. and and the important part because i'd imagine i mean you're talking about the mental part of it that gets to be so challenging with, with like, this is the way the wind is going. And that's, and, and I would imagine that at some point you kind of get almost backwards mm-hmm. where you've been thinking you about can, it oh, so much. And it's like, the wind is coming this way. And it's like, oh, instead of shooting into the wind, I shot with the wind and yep. it was worse. Yeah. You can overthink happens? it. Yeah. You can overthink it. Have you, when you were younger or even now, do you ever play uh, Xbox or like old school Nintendo? You ever play like, you know, uh, Super Mario and on the old Nintendos and things like sure. that before? 
Oh yeah. Have you ever got you ever got to a world where you like hours trying to get it and you're like, oh, you go to bed, you wake up the next morning, you get it right away. That that's hap that's happened to me too. Where you, you're trying so hard to get it and you and you spend hours and you fail, 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 and then you're just like, okay, mom says time to go to bed, so you go to bed. The next morning you wake up, bam, you beat the whole level in one try, just like that. I think it's just because your brain needs a reset. Like it just is like, hey man, take a nap. <laughs> you know, you're over trying, you're overthinking it. I, I I feel like that's kind of like the best example I could relate it to, supposedly. Was it hard to give yourself that permission to say, I'm taking a month <laughs> off? You know, because it's like this is what you do. I'm taking a month off right before the most important thing. Was it hard to give yourself that permission? Oh yeah, you have no idea. Cause I I have a motto that no one trains harder than me, right? Which means right now my competitors are probably shooting their bows every single day and trying to get themselves better. So it's really hard for me not to want to go out and sit in a chair and just practice and practice and practice and practice. But I know where I know where my body is with my bow and I know what needs to be worked on. And for me, that's the mental side. And my mental game needs a break. Like it's it's healthy to have a break. That is so cool. Now I noticed I, I've, I've been stalking you on Facebook. I apologize, mm -hmm. but it, it looks like you're, you're bringing sexy back into, into archery as well. <laughs> when I was in Rio, I weighed like 220 pounds and I've always been the guy who would kind of be like, I'm going to, I'm just an archer. I don't need to be healthy. Right. Like I'm just an archer. Well, in 2016, I had a conversation with Michael Johnson um and he told me he said hey if because we were we we went down to texas to his center and we were working on how to get one percent better so this is how michael johnson the sprinter 200 and 400 meter guy correct the, gold shoes the, the golden shoes yeah and he goes matt if you really want if you 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 say you're you, you want to be the best athlete in the world or you want to be the best archer in the world right then you you got you got to play the whole part you can't just take it there's no shortcuts you, you got to be the athlete. Like if you want to be 1% better, you got to play. You can't just be the guy who is a good archer that can do whatever he wants and be 220 pounds. Like if you want to be the best, you also have. Anyway, um, so after my loss in Rio, I was like, all right, maybe this guy's on to something. So um, I started working hard and uh, working in the gym and putting all of it together. And I had a targeted weight of where I wanted to be. I found out that I shoot my best at 165 pounds for some reason. Like I just. How'd you figure that out? Um, Cause at one point, like a year or so ago, I actually got down to 155 pounds. And I, and, and as I would like, my shooting got worse and worse. And even though I, even though I felt amazing, my shooting wasn't that good. And I don't know if it's because I just didn't have the muscle anymore for it or whatever. So then I redid my my game plan and then started going with muscle. So now 165 at the at the percentage of body fat that I am right now, that's when I started winning everything. And I'm like, okay, well, that's where I need to be. So I've been maintaining that for several years now and it's it's paid off. So you said you were going to the gym. What were you doing? Were you doing, I mean, was this endurance stuff? What, you know, cardio? Are you doing explosive <laughs> stuff? Are you? I did a lot of arms. 
<laughs> I did a lot. I did a lot arm stuff my my gym shirt i still wear every time i go to the gym says every day is arm day and it has like this arm emoji <laughs> on it and everybody's like what anyway um <laughs> when i was first doing it, it was just to lose weight and uh so now it's like um heavy weights slow uh, nothing explosive because i'm not trying to trigger my twitch muscles the, the object is, is to get because I use the bigger muscles of my body to shoot, right. not the fast twitching one. So that's kind of what I focus on. Because you really want everything to be slow and steady and mm -hmm. and balanced, right? And, you, and balanced, precise. Process. It's like fewer yeah. moving parts makes for a better shot. I'm assuming. Correct. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're you're right. Absolutely. <clears throat> Okay, so 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 slow movement, but this is where I mean, because that's that's dropping almost sixty pounds. That's a yeah. that's a lot of weight. It is a lot of weight. Yeah. You change your diet too? Every yeah, all all everything. Um, I do a lot of uh, protein shakes and stuff like that. Um, I've been working with uh, a company since two thousand seventeen, and I do lots of shakes for like breakfast and lunch and and we know what my protein numbers are as far as where i'm trying to be at every single day um i was able to with their help i was able to go all the way down to 150 pounds and then go up and down and just try to find like we were able to hit all the numbers if i wanted to go up if i wanted to go down until we found the perfect number that i felt my best at are your competitors doing this no mm -mm. If you look at the pictures of my competitors, uh, which is funny, but they all think like I thought back in 2016. So a lot of them have gained a lot of weight, you know? So, which is, I'm not saying that that makes them a bad archer. What I'm saying is, is I've been there before. I know what, I know that feeling of, I just need to sit, sit and shoot and shoot and shoot. Cause that's, what's going to make me better. But in, when I did that, I just got heavy because you didn't do anything. You just ate a bunch of food and then you sat and shot all day. Um, my mindset though is i just want to be the best in the world right i don't want to be just the best paralympic archer like i want to go on to any stage i want to shoot the 900 of vegas you know like i want i want to win that tournament and and that's where my goals are at and, and so is there is there an olympic uh kind of step for you or is it paralympic and then sort of what sounds like a more open kind of uh competition i do i do have a goal um the men's able-bodied compound team they are the best in the world they every year they travel around the world shooting um a circuit against all the best archers from other countries um it's like kind of like an olympics but it's a, it's a um like you get the, the best three archers from each country that show up uh, and they all shoot this like five, five tournament circuit. And, you know, you can win, you know, they, they are legit the best archers in the world in the compound division. So that's my goal is to make that team. I tried out for the men's team in 2017 and I actually made the team. <laughs> I, I made the able body team and it was like this most crazy experience in the, like ever. And I was like, this is amazing. And then the next year I tried back out for the Paris because we had world championships and had earned slots and all this other kind of stuff. So 
eventually my goal would be to move to that level of, of, of competition. So it's almost like a barnstorming kind of competition where you're traveling around and, and just picking mm -hmm. up the best, the best archers wherever you mm -hmm. go and yep. having this competition. Do you yeah. get a lot of people who are watching those kinds of events or what's the, what's the audience like? Yeah, no, I mean, the whole in archery world, that is the highest level of, of compound competition ever. That is like that. It's that's the summit right there. Now, in listening to your approach, your training, your your physical fitness, it looks like you've it looks like you've you've created some some objectives or some priorities in terms of what's going to get you better. What have you signaled in terms of like these are the things that I need to work on in order to be the best in the world. And if you put that out there as a goal, that's a pretty big goal. You've got to beat everybody in the world. Yeah. So when I, when I think about what my goals are to be the best in the world, they're not necessarily just to win everything. I also want to make the sport better than what it is, right? So when I set these goals, um, I wanted to be healthy. Right. I wanted to uh, um, be in shape. I wanted to feel good about my body and where I was at. I also wanted to perform at a high level. Uh, I want to I want to set small records like I in Tokyo. I want to break the, the Paralympic record there on site, you know, and so I have all these goals, but I know what it takes to get there. So my goal is one arrow at a time. And I know if I do one arrow at a time and do what I did in trials, I'm going to get the record. Second of all, especially this last year or two, um, there is, I'll just give you a little, little awesome little news. We find out later this month if there's going to be other armless archers in Tokyo. Oh. Yeah. So we are working with two other people who have shot scores that are pretty good that have no arms. So this could potentially be the first games in the history of, of the world that would have two or th three armless archers shooting at the same event that so that in my mind like that's what you're working towards right you're trying to work towards making the sport better you're trying to like you know michael phelps is known as you know the greatest swimmer ever and i don't think it's just because of his amazing ability like he changed the sport for the better and so that's kind of like where my goal was set as well when i say i wanted to become the best archer in the world yeah and so when you were talking what I was thinking and you were saying one, one arrow at a time, it really is that focus. Just, just having that single-minded focus and just blocking everything else out, which has to be euphoric when you do it. It's a weird feeling. Okay, so if you were to go look, if you were to look at a video of me shooting, right? Especially at trials, and I, I don't, and I was watching, I was watching, there's a shot I make that I don't remember. And I, I smoke, I smoke it. It's like behind me, there was distractions going on. There was people talking like loud. You could hear them all talking and there's cameras going on. And I don't remember any of that. Like I must've just been in a bubble because once I drew that bow back, I forgot about everything. Like, I didn't hear anything. I, I don't even remember the smell. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's, 
it's like you're in your own little world i guess well that's it i mean that's that's the being in the zone right that you're you're in the zone and and it takes so much work mm-hmm. to get to that zone but it also from what you're talking about it that confidence to be able to let go mm-hmm. as well and let go of like the active mind right the active mm-hmm. mind is like hey matt you got to hit this you got to hit a 10 you got to hit a 10 don't hit an eight yeah. you're like i hit an eight again <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah you know i i wondered for a, a while there i wondered is that something that like i taught myself recently or do you think that was something that I learned from birth because uh, I was born this way. So all my life, people have been staring at me and, and pointing and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And at a young age, I learned to block them out. I remember, you know, being eight years old and I heard a bunch of kids laughing and pointing and, and, and laughing at me. And I just did my own thing. I jumped on a bike and rode down the hill anyway. And I forgot about those kids laughing at me, you know, like, is that something that I have ingrained in me from growing up and learning how to just do my own thing and block people out? So now that I'm in archery and I'm in that moment, it's very natural for me to just be like, Shh, and be that focused and not care what people think or say, or, and that is do me. That's really interesting. I mean, I'd imagine it's probably something that you've been refining and, and refining for this specific purpose as well. But kind of cool when you look back on your life and go, that was actually important. That thing, yeah. those kids laughing at me is something mm-hmm. that's helping me to potentially yep. be the best in the world at mm-hmm. what I do. Can we talk about a time when you actually were the best in the world, this, this world record? I mean, this is, so can you describe, so so it's 310 yards that you hit a target 310 yards. So Guinness Book of World Records, right? Mm -hmm. How did this, how did this all work? And how did you, how did you cite it? How did you figure out, like, yeah, talk us through the whole process. (laughs) What what happened here? So when I tell this story, you're going to see a very similar uh, you're going to see some similarities between what we just talked about and this world record. So this, this is kind of cool. So the target was too far away. I could see the general shape of it, but I couldn't see any scoring rings. It just looked like a blob down there. And with the rules that they put in place, you have to use a, a low poundage bow. So I was actually aiming at a air conditioner unit at a building across the street that's how (laughs) that's when you look i mean that that's what it took for the arrows to drop in there um i you ready for this this is crazy so the rules state that you have to use a 60 pound bow a feta bow which is what i shoot and you only get three attempts so that's a lot different than your than your competition bow no it's the same it's the same exact bow. When I say feta, that yeah, that's the uh, that's the uh, tournament stuff we shoot at for the Paralympics to be called feta tournaments. Okay. Um, you only get three attempts to do it, and you have to call your shot. Like you have to tell the guy that from Guinness, like I'm gonna hit a bullseye right now, right? Like you can't just sit out there and shoot until you hit it, and then be like, hey, I got the record. Like you have to be that good. So the day before, I shoot 
72 arrows or something like that. And I hit the target only like five times. Like I'm trying to sight in. Well, then the next day when it was for real, I shoot probably 25 arrows for warm up. And it's windy. It takes like five seconds for my arrow to get there. So you shoot, you got to wait like five seconds to see if the arrow <laughs> even gets there or not. And so the camera people there, there's all these Michael Johnson's like there, like behind my back. And I know how awesome he is. And I'm like, I don't want to, you know, this guy's pretty awesome. I, he's the best runner in the world. And I don't want to embarrass myself. But I shoot like 30, 30 some arrows I shoot and I don't hit the target one time. I don't hit it at all. I'm like, I'm the wind is so bad that, that if you shoot an arrow and for three seconds of the arrow flight, there's no wind, then the wind picks up the last two seconds. It's, at that distance, you know, you're off by a centimeter at the, where I'm at, you know, you're talking like feet at the target, right? So at one point, um, the Guinness guy comes over and at 1130, I was supposed to make my first shot. That's what we advertised. And since I'm not hitting the target, um, one of the guys comes over and says, like, hey, man, you know, you can practice as much as you want. Like, we don't have to do this right at 1130. I'm like, no, nah, we're doing it at 1130. And 1130 comes around and I make my first shot and I miss. And I immediately look at the Guinness guy and say, I'm going again. And I, I nail it. And then I nail it again. I hit it two times in a row. In fact, if we had heart monitors on stuff and uh, one of the guys um, that his name is George. Um, he's the one that put kind of like uh, help get all this around. And he had a heart monitor on too. And during my shot, his heart rate was like 160 beats per minute. Like his heart rate, like he was running a marathon and he was just standing there watching me. And they, so over the course of two days, I shoot, you know, hundred arrows or whatever. And on, where was your heart rate? His is at 160. What's your heart rate? I think mine was 105 or something like that. Or right. it was, so it you was were like, in that zone. Was, yeah, were. I was in that zone. So when it, I, even though I missed 30 times before, as soon as it was game time, boom, boom, boom. Like it's, it's, it's the focus. Like apparently in the practice, I didn't have that focus. But now when it's for real, I was able to get myself in that mental game and it's like, look, man, you got to make this count. Like right now, you can't mess around. Like you got to make the best shot you can make. Is that who you are? That when the lights come on, it's like, okay, now I'm ready to go. Yeah, I'm very much, I'm very much that way. Like, I don't know if it's because you, you can go back to when I was younger and I've always been able to, I've always been able to just do it when it matters. I don't, and then I don't know. I think that's one of my gifts, I guess. That's the, the performer in you is like, okay, come on, everybody come watch. And then, yep. then with all the adrenaline going, you're able to like mellow out and focus, mm -hmm. do what you need to do. Wow. Is that what brought you to car racing too? I mean, this is because, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm watching videos about your car racing and about your cars and your your dual turbo and all these things <laughs> and stuff like that, right? I mean, you, you've got some crazy stuff going on. What was it like when you went in to get your license for the first time? Yeah, so to be honest, this is where 
the first time in life for me, I realized that life was not going to be fair and I was going to get judged based on what I looked like versus what I could accomplish. Uh, I was 16. I grew up on a farm, right? So I learned how to drive at like 12, driving tractors and trucks. And like, I knew how to drive. So at 16, I went in to get my, my I took a, uh, the driver's ed test or whatever. Yeah. I took my written tests, passed them, to, did a driving test, passed them. But then they actually wouldn't give me my permit. Um, the lady that was running the driver's ed said that she was afraid that if I was ever in an accident, that she would get sued because she was the one signing the paperwork saying that I was okay to drive. So she wouldn't actually, like, even though I physically passed everything, she wouldn't issue me a permit and said, nope, you got to go to the DOT in Iowa. And I had to wait till I was 18. They made me do physical therapy. They had me once a month. My mom would have to drive me like 100 miles to this therapist guy who like would t test my reaction time and make me practice on the simulator. It was like this most, it was dumb. <laughs> uh, it was, it was one of those moments where I got, fr I got pretty frustrated with life. Cause I'm like, I just proved, I just proved everyone that I could do it. Right. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. And now because I have no arms, it, it, they want me to have a modified car with steering wheel on the ground and they want me to do all this extra stuff. And they want like, how's that fair? And so I was pretty angry at those guys. Uh, when I turned 18 though, and I was able to get my driver's license, I had to pass my driver's test by four different DOT people. You know, like if you walk into a driver's license, usually you get one person sitting in the car and you go drive the car and they pass you. I had four people in the car and they all had to pass me in order for me to get my license. And it was one of those moments where I'm like, okay, watch this. <laughs> you know, like, you know what? I'm going to get this. And and I was able to pass um, and have my driver's license ever since. So that was it. But then, you know, not, not only, you're not just getting your driver's license to go to the supermarket or, you know, the corner store. You now... You, you you drag race, mm -hmm. you you jump cars. I mean, demolition <laughs> derby. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it sounds like a little bit of everything. Race on dirt, you know. So, when when did you decide? Was this was this these four guys testing you? Going okay, and you're like, all right, fine, I passed that. Now watch what I'm going to do. <laughs> Is that how that worked? K kind of, you know. You, you're going to probably start to see, see a trend here, but I gravitated toward cars because the cars don't stereotype the person that drives them. Like the cars don't care. The car doesn't care if you have arms or don't have arms. Right. So I can get in a car that I made and I can go race somebody else and I can beat them. And the car doesn't care. It's happy either way. Same way with archery. The bow doesn't care that I have arms or don't have arms. It just wants to be shot. And so that's why those two things work so well for me, because I can go shoot my bow and do what I would like. And I'm not being told you can't do this. You can't do that. The bow's not saying you can't do that. You have no arms. The car's the same way. I can go enjoy my life and spend time with cars. And the car's not like, you can't do that. You have no arms. The car doesn't, the car's letting me do what I want to do and live life to its fullest. 
So, and I've always been, I've always been a, kind of addicted to adrenaline and, you know, that kind of stuff. I, I always tell people I would be a car racer full time if I could get paid to do it. Well, if you could, yeah, get paid to do it and afford to do it, right? I mean, it's yeah, not, yeah, it's exactly. Not it, it, it's not cheap at all. So, so your cars, I mean, because your cars are basically standard, right? I mean, just like, yeah, I mean, they're stripped. I mean, they're, well, they're not the race cars, in a lot of ways. Right? Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're race cars, but they're not modified for me. Like you could get in and drive the car just fine. Like right. it, it yeah. yeah. What's, so when I was watching, this is, this is the question that came up to me because I'm watching, you know, you've got your, your right leg up at basically, you know, you're, you're like three o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock kind of thing on the steering wheel with your, with your right foot mm-hmm. and you're sitting there, but you're going fast. You have to go around turns. What's the balance like? I mean, that's the, that's the thing that I looked at and went, okay, are, are you kind of like a weeble in there? How, how does this work? <laughs> See, seat belts are good things. Seat belts, you can, you can lock yourself in pretty, pretty solid and, and, and trust that it's going to hold you in place as you go around corners. Or so this jump. is your 16 point kind of seat belt thing. Yeah. It, it's locked. It's locked me in good. Like I'm, I'm not getting out of that. So at that point, I'm just the rag doll that gets thrown around and, <laughs> and <laughs> enjoy the corners and the ramps. Because you're going fast. You have a car that goes 200 miles an hour, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, last year or the year before, I actually did a ride with with a NASCAR, you know, in a, in a NASCAR uh-huh. out in Phoenix. I did a ride along, you know, and of course I got into the car with the, with the driver. Who's one of the like old guys who's on the track. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him, I'm like, so uh, your job is to scare me. Right. And he's like, uh-huh, that's my job. <laughs> and I was holding on for dear life. Like I was just getting sucked into the door mm-hmm. the whole time. I mean, that's that there are some serious G's that are going on when you're when you're racing that's that for you i mean i'd imagine it's an issue but it's not an issue that that is insurmountable right the best thing you can do is just relax your body really if you fight the g's er, your neck's going to be sore you're gonna you just got to relax and just let your body kind of float over here and float over there and and you know as long as you keep your eyes pointed on where you're wanting to go in the direction you want to go you're gonna you're gonna follow it even if you're sucked way over. We're, we're approaching the end of our time, Matt, but I want to, you, you mentioned some things when you're talking about, talking about your focus when you were, when you're uh, shooting that, that some of it you're attributing to those little kids laughing at you and taking that and, and pointing it into something that's really good and, and is beneficial and potentially I mean, I'm on your side here, like hoping that it, that it makes you the best in the world. Are there other things that you have, like other adaptations? Because you said you're in an able-bodied world. You're not changing what's going on, but you have to change yourself and you have to adapt in order to make things work. Are there adaptations that have then, you know, given you an advantage? Um. In, in the archery world, I would, I would say there's nothing that has given me advantage except of the mental state that I have. Like, I, like, for example, 
let's let's take uh, an able body archer for a second let's put them in a gold medal match against me with 10,000 people watching those guys have i mean they haven't experienced the, that before and you know what i'm saying like my whole life like we talked about with the kids right like my whole life i've i've had attention to myself not I don't want it, but because I have no arms, I get the attention anyway, and I'm able to block it out. Well, let's just pretend now we're just throwing you into a big group of, you know, 10,000 people all of a sudden, and now you need to perform. Well, they've never had that before. So I have that advantage where I've been there my whole life. I've, I've had that. And, and so that's where I would think my advantages come from. What about on the physical side? Is there anything like with, with actually using mm. your leg, which is less, less dexterous? Potentially, though, you do have the, the baseball size development in your in your head for, for using your feet. Uh, but but does does that benefit you? Is that one of those things where your legs might be stronger than somebody's arms and and can benefit you or, or not? Or uh, I don't know. I mean, it just seems like one of those questions that somebody might ask. So that's a good point. It's been brought up before. There is an advantage when it comes to, I use bigger muscles. I can aim my bow for a longer period of time. I can pull more weight than the average person. So like my bow, when I, it's 60 pounds. So when I draw the bow back, I'm pulling 60 pounds where, and that's the maximum amount they allow. And that's because I use my leg. Well, most of my competitors might be running 50 pounds, 52 pounds, somewhere in there, because they can't, they can't draw 60 pounds for, you know, days on end and, and not get worn out uh so there is an physically there would be a little bit of an advantage on that aspect of things um the bigger the muscles the more poundage i i can aim for like a minute without being tired well the average person gets about 10 seconds of aiming and they're like we got to get this shot gone <laughs> you know like uh so if you look at it that way i would definitely say there's a little bit of an advantage but I'm capitalizing on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, take advantage of that too, because yeah, I'd imagine people go, okay, the they're, they're might they're bigger muscles. But then when you first started shooting a bow, I would imagine somebody looked at you and went, "So you're planning to shoot this with your foot? Mm. <laughs> how, how is that going to work?" This is the timeline. When I said I'm going to shoot a bow, people are like. There's no way you have no arms. You can't shoot a bow, but I, I taught myself how to shoot. Well, then they were like, Whoa, you see the guy without arms shooting. That's, that's pretty good. Then I, then I started winning and they're like, uh, okay, wait a minute. Maybe it's not quite fair on how he shoots his bow. <laughs> so <laughs> you're like, wait a minute. Like a couple years ago, you're like, there's, you were like just amazed that I could shoot a bow. Now you're saying it's unfair. Like, <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> uh, I, listen, I'm not even joking. I shot a tournament in 2017 and I shot the uh, Outdoor Nationals, um, which is the mandatory tournament to make, you know, the, the team, U, or not Team USA, but uh, the USA Archery team. And I shot Abled Body that year. And it was really windy. And I actually ended up winning the whole event by like 20 points. And there was guys who complained, who filed complaints saying that 
it was unfair that I shot in their division because I was sitting in a chair, which was lower to the ground, and they thought somehow I was shooting under the wind. And I, I'm like, wind is wind. Like I got, I was like, obviously, I was like, the judge just took their money, and put it in his pocket, and probably used that money to buy a burger later. Like it, it was the most ridiculous thing that anyone's ever protested me about. And and I'm only like maybe a foot lower in my chair than they are. If they're standing beside me, I'm like waist level. So I'm like, not that much difference. And and we're all in the same row. It, it is what it is. I laugh about it. I'm like, well, look, I mean, there's no rules that say you can't sit in a chair. So you guys want to sit in a chair, sit in a chair. <laughs> it is interesting, Matt, because you get it. You kind of get it from both sides, right? You get those mm -hmm. little kids when you're eight years old. Then you get the people who are saying, no, no, this guy with no arms is beating up on me. Like, like you know, yeah. somebody needs to fix this. This guy shouldn't be doing this, which is, yeah, which has to be the greatest compliment in a lot that you can receive. Right. It feels, it feels amazing. Uh, when I got into the sport, there was, there's a, like a handful of guys who, in my opinion, were the best in the world. And those are the guys I was chasing. Those are the guys I beat that day. And one of those guys is the one that filed the complaint against me. So like, I'm like, you know what? That's amazing. Like I, I was such on, I was such on a high because I was like, I'm in their heads now. Like, <laughs> you know, like my, my idols, when I, you know, those idols guys that I looked up to when I first started that I wanted to be like, like now they're worried about me. <laughs> which is great you can offer them advice you know go figure out how yeah. to do it better and then, then we'll yeah yeah again. like <laughs> you know i there's so many things that i could say but at the end of the day i just i just laugh and i ignore them you know because i'm just there to do my thing what i can control and if they're worried about me and shooting under the wind then they clearly aren't there focused on what they were supposed to be focused on Matt, that sounds like exactly where we need to stop because that is that is the the nugget that we're looking for, right? That all you can do is focus on what you can focus on. And we wish you the best of luck in Tokyo. I will I will definitely be watching and cheering. Uh, thanks for joining us. This has been a pleasure. It's always a pleasure to get a chance to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. And I will be listening for your claps. <laughs> yes, yes, you will. My claps will be coming from Stanford, Connecticut. So, so I'll, be as, I'll be as loud as I can. <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure I message you when I hear him. <laughs> all right, sounds good. Thank you to all of you for listening. Uh, you know, the greatest compliment that you can pay us is to tell your friends. You know, if you've liked what you've heard to heard here, please tell your friends. Please like us. Please subscribe. We're on YouTube. We're on. We're on Apple, we're on Spotify. Please follow us, please like us, and please join in for another one. We'll have, I can't say that, every, that everybody's gonna be, uh, you know, that, that, that anybody will be as good as Matt, but you know, I hope that we will, you know? So that's exactly what we're looking for. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Matt, best of luck. See you soon. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. Please subscribe to Chris White Living It for more stories on the adaptive community, the Paralympics, artists, athletes, entrepreneurs, experts in the experience of being human. Also follow us on Spotify, Apple, Facebook, and Instagram. I look forward to seeing you next week.